with you. The continuation of the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. About eight days after these days, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up to the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory, and the two men stood with him. Just as they were leaving, and Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. The voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silence, and in those days told no one of any of the things that they had seen. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met them. Just then a man from the crowd shouted, Teacher, I beg you, look at my son. He is my only child. Suddenly a spirit seizes him, and all at once he shrieks. It convulses him until he foams at the mouth. It mauls him and will scarcely leave him. I beg you, I beg your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, you faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And all were astounded at the greatness of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Be seated. Uh, when I was a little girl, there was a very popular toy that came out. It was all the rage, thanks to some new technology that allowed plastic to absorb uh, sunlight and light from lamps uh, and w allowed us to create the most wonderful little plastic figurine known as a glowworm. I hope you all remember glowworms. I think that there was a cartoon about it at some point. But it was fascinating to all of us. It was the same technology as in your watch that allows your watch face to glow in the dark because it absorbs the light around it. And I, I remember when they came out, they're of course very anthropomorphized worms. They look more like caterpillars that are dressed up in clothes. Like some have little glasses on and all, all molded in plastic of course and hats and little shirts and things. Um, and we just loved them. They were fascinating, you know. Uh, you could hold it, you could run outside in the sunlight and hold it outside and let the sunlight, let it absorb the sunlight and then run inside uh, to a dark room and see it glow. Uh, but the best was if you could hold it right up against a light bulb and like turn it so the whole worm got really fully charged by the light and then run into a closet and turn off the lights and just look at it. <laughs> it's fantastic. You know, and, and it all depended on how long that little glow worm was uh, 
you know, how long it stayed in the light would determine how long it would glow afterwards. I was delighted a couple of years ago when we found some at my mom's house and my kids got to experience the same joy <laughs> of the glow worm uh, and getting to play with it. It's still, it's still so much fun. Um, and, and getting to see how it, it can absorb the light from the light source and then in the darkness, you know, glow so that you can see. It's fantastic. Um, so Moses this week is a glowworm. <laughs> that's what made me think of glowworms this week was Moses uh, going and talking to God because that's what happens to Moses, right? Moses goes and, and is in God's presence and he absorbs so much of the holy and divine light that like the glowworm when he goes into the darkness of being with the people that he just radiates the divine light. You know, he's supercharged. You know, somebody held him up and turned him round and round so they could really absorb that light. And he was so supercharged that uh, after he delivered the word that God had given him to say, he felt it necessary to put a veil on his face. Like, maybe it's too much. Maybe it's too much to share this divine light. You know, maybe I'm glowing too much. Could I blind somebody with this? I don't know. This is a new thing. It's a new technology, if you will. Uh, and so Moses uh, puts a veil on, and when he goes back to, to speak with God, takes the veil off, speaks with God, comes back glowing, you know, and then shares the good word. Well, in Paul for today, <clears throat> Paul marks for us a change in the approach of whether or not we should share that glow, that divine glow with others. Um, Paul, I just love Paul. Uh, Paul is this wonderful mix of ego and humility. Like one minute, he's just completely humble in the next minute, not at all, at all. And, and I love this, uh, uh, only Paul could get away with almost rebuking Moses. You know, I always love it when the text disagrees with itself in some way. And so, so Paul says, since, since then we have such a hope, we act with great boldness, unlike Moses. Yes, because when I think of Moses, I think of a lack of boldness, most definitely. So he's, he says, not like Moses. In other words, what Paul's point is, is that because of Jesus Christ, there's no longer any need to hide that light that we absorb from God, that that's something that we should shine and we should share. And I hope that this sounds familiar because Paul doesn't just make this up all on his own. This is not a, a concept that Paul has decided um, needs to be a part of the Christian faith. Um, instead, he's hearkening to something that Jesus has already said. That this should sound familiar to you, right? So two weeks ago, um, we had the Sermon on the Plains from Luke's Gospel. The sister passage to that in Matthew's is the Sermon on the Mount. And directly after the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand and gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. This is important because what we hear from the story with Moses and then in Paul and in, in, in his echoing of what Jesus has said, 
The light that we have is not sourced from ourselves. The light that we have is from God. And how well we tend that light will determine how well we shine that light. And it is, in fact, our duty and responsibility as disciples to let that light shine. You know, you wouldn't, I wouldn't go and charge up my little glow worm and then put it underneath something and then just, like Schrodinger's cat, think something's happened underneath the box. You know, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull it so that I can see it. That's the whole point is so somebody else can see the light. You know, that's silly, of course. Of course, if we have something good to share, if we have good news to share, if something has changed and transformed our lives, we should want that to show forth in our lives in such a way that other people want to know about it. You know, we should be so full of the divine light that is our relationship with God that other people see us and say, ooh, something's a little different about you. Did you get a haircut? No, that's not it. New glasses? No, no. I think something else is going on here. You just seem to have a glow about you. You know, that's like a high compliment, isn't it? You know, you're glowing today. What's going on? That's the hope, is that our relationship with God is so strong and we're so full of that light that we have absorbed from God, that other people would say, oh, I want to see that. I'm attracted to that. That we are the light in the darkness, that people who indeed do live in darkness see, even if it's the faintest of glows, they see that and are attracted to it and say, what's happening here? And that gives us a chance to share about our faith and what has made such a difference in our own lives. And there's great joy in that. There's tremendous joy in that because we know what it's like to be in darkness and to have the light shine forth so that there's no longer this sort of fear of the unknown, but instead the light of Christ brings everything to light so that we can see. We know the joy of being given the gift of sight, and so therefore we get great joy in paying it forward. Someone else shone the light in the darkness so that we could come and know Christ, we know that feeling. So that joy is repeated for us whenever we get to be the light source and just be that little bit of spark that somebody says, I, I need that. I need that. It's called evangelism, people. Evangelism by our lives, by the light we shine forth, right? The best kind of evangelism, that we are so transformed that other people, like a moth to the light outside of your house in the summertime, can't help but come right? And check it out. Thankfully, we have something that will give them life and not burn them. It's wonderful. It's a great gift to be able to share that. Of course, where are we in our liturgical calendar? Oh yes, Ash Wednesday is coming, which means Lent is coming. So you can bet that the sermon's not going to end there. But instead, with an invitation, we'll say, Here's the challenge. Our light that we share that other people can give thanks for does not come from ourselves, but is sourced from God. That means we cannot, cannot glow with the love of God if we spend very little time in God's presence. <coughs> Moses glows because he was with God. Therefore, 
We have to spend time with God to glow, to be charged, to be restored, to have any hope of casting any light in the darkness. We actually have to spend some time in God's presence, right? I would wager, I'm just going to take a safe bet here, none of us have spent so much time in God's presence that like Moses, we come down from the mountain and think, should I put a veil over my face? Am I glowing that much? You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, probably most of us are not thinking, actually, I spend plenty of time. I glow all the time. Lent is coming. Lent is coming. A fantastic, important, heavy, challenging, sometimes dreaded season of self-examination with the purpose of helping us name those things which keep us from spending time with God so that we can be recharged, right? It's a season of fasting and self-examination so we can name those things that are so distracting that we think, well, I, I know I should probably spend a little time in prayer and reading scripture, but this other thing is so interesting. This other thing is so entertaining. You know, we, we might fool ourselves in saying these other things are more immediate and important. But let's be honest. No, we just like them better. Right? We're going to do what we like. We're going to do what feels good. And sometimes spending time in God's presence is a little challenging, especially in the season of Lent, and demands more of us than the hundreds of passive activities that I could list that are temptations away from spending time with God. So our Lenten disciplines do begin on Wednesday. That means you have a few days, my friends. A couple few days. One, eat your chocolate, drink your Coca-Cola. Two, come to the pancake supper. It'll be delicious. Three, prepare. Spend some time in meditation in reflection. Be honest with yourselves. What are the things that keep me from the presence of God? <clears throat> now, here's the thing. We're always in the presence of God. So more to the point, what are the things that distract me from the realization that I'm always with God? What are the things that pull my attention away so that I'm no longer intentional about seeing the Spirit in my midst all the time? What are those things? What is it that's just too easy, too easy to say, ooh, that. I want to do that. I'll get to you later, God. Or even I'll get later, I'll get to you later, self. It's a good time for self-care. We cannot hope to be truly people of God and a light to the nations if we spend zero time near the light source itself. We can't. There's no hope of it. My little glow worm, you put it in a box, you don't take it out for days, it's doing nothing. It's as dark as the closet. So who are we as people of faith? Who are we with the great potential to shine Christ's light with the world? And how are we failing to connect to the source? 
That is the question. That, that will lead you to choosing something as a Lenten discipline that really will help restore and renew you to wholeness, to make you ready for the great day of shining, Easter Sunday. Amen.